This is an ABC podcast. G'day there, Sammy J here for another snack pack, casually dropping in to say hello. And is there anything worse than the casual drop-in? Can't stand it myself. Some people, some people think it is totally fine to knock on your door and invite themselves in for a cup. Doesn't happen that often. I'm not like some sort of, you know, walled garden ogre. But I think it's a generational divide. I reckon people born before the 90s might just be more cavalier with their approach to drop-in. These days, those of us who just operate with, you know, such things as calendars and forward planning, you need some notice, don't you? You need to make plans. At the very least, a text message, 15 minutes, say, hey, I'm in the area, I might drop by, is that okay? Consent required for the old drop-in, in my belief. I give Will Anderson consent to appear on this week's podcast. He'll be telling us about the hill that he's prepared to die on shortly. Plus, marathon running. <laughs> like, hardcore marathon. Like, 104 marathons being run in 104 days. Which I reckon is worthy of a Guinness Book of Record entry. Maybe world record. But not just that, there's an extra element to that story which we'll get to when I chat to Jackie Hunt Brusner. Plus, we'll be speaking to a captain who's out there on the high seas. And if you were ever a child in Australia, perhaps you're a child who has grown up in Australia and now you're a parent or a grandparent. Either way, you will know the work of Peter Coombe. He's been singing our kids' songs for 40 years and he's kept his audience with them as they've grown up with him, following him from childcare centres into pub gigs with big kids. Heaps of wonderful guests coming up. Stick around. This is the Sammy J Snack Pack. Um, I love this idea of welcoming friends anytime, but um, I live alone, so I have some really, really, really relaxed habits. So I don't want anyone popping over. Don't want anyone. Define really, really relaxed habits. It's not. Um, it's not Homer Simpson, Why Fronts, or Moo Moo kind of situation. Mm. It's not that bad. But I do like to take a bath in the middle of the day because I can if I want to. And then why would you bother putting on clothes if you don't need to? Yep, nah, casual drop-in, not cool. But Will Anderson is cool, so cool that he's casually dropping back onto our screens for some special Gruen election episodes, looking into the advertising and marketing elements of the federal election in Australia. But that's not what I want to talk to you about today, Will. I want to know what hill you are prepared to die on. Uh, I'm a vegetarian and I've often joked, Sammy, that the reason I'm a vegetarian is my parents are dairy farmers and I've already disappointed them enough. But (laughs) the hill that I will die on is butter. For those who can't believe it's not butter, well, I say to you, I believe that I can't believe it's not butter is not butter. Butter is the most magnificent uh, food in the world. And anyone who thinks that you do not have to put butter on your toast before you put the avocado on or butter on your toast before you put the peanut butter on is living in a world that I do not want to live in. Butter goes on the toast first before you put anything else on the toast, Sammy. And yet, Will, avocado and peanut butter, the two condiments slash spreads Mm. you've chosen, aren't they known to contain their own oils? Aren't they known to be a substitute for butter? 
Yeah, that's right. And this is why it's the hill that I'm going to die on. They're not substitutes. They're additions to butter. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to see Andrew Ridgely instead of George Michael. I want to see Andrew and Ridgely and George Michael come together and make wham. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I've been known out of laziness because I would generally go to apply the base spread before the main one. But if my, my kids will are like in a hurry and they want peanut butter, I've been known just to do the peanut butter with my back turned to them and not tell them. And most of the time I get away with it. Yeah. Well, you're a monster, but just because you get away with something doesn't mean you're not a monster. There's plenty of monsters throughout history who have got away with what they did, Sammy, and they've had to pay for their sins later on. So the time is ticking. That's what I'm going to say. This is going to be a Netflix documentary that your children are going to make about the monster that raised them. (laughs) (laughs) Will, what about me? What about the fact that I use more of your olive-based spread? Even Uh, though I'm not vegan, I just choose to do it. You're seriously. I mean, look, there's, there is there's part of you that's very ABC on brand. I yeah. I appreciate that, Sammy. Yeah, I get this. It's Melbourne ABC breakfast. You've got to use an olive spread occasionally, but. And look, this might be, I'm the son of a dairy farmer. I might be biased. This might be the voice of big dairy that's coming through your speakers this morning. But I think you're missing out on one of the great treats of life. In fact, I am one of those people that when I go to a restaurant, often I will fill up on the free bread and butter before I even order any of the food. Like So, but butter on first on toast or every time. Side note, just call you into the into commander's tent for a, sec, a quick military mm. discussion. Uh you know that if you're at a restaurant and it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, that's what they want you to do, Will. So mm. they don't eat their actual food. They want you to stuff yourself with the, with the bread. How many all-you-eat buffets do you think I'm going to, Sammy? <laughs> I feel like this is a weird exception to the rule that you've talked about. Yes, yep. I understand that you used to sit around trying to beat the sizzler system, but I'm not sure there is a lot of all-you-can-eat buffets. <laughs> this is the Sammy J Snack Pack. Jackie Hunt Brusner has run 104 marathons in 104 days. And that is not the only fascinating twist in her story. Hi there, Jackie. Welcome to the Snack Pack and congratulations. You are on your way to entering the Guinness Book of World Records. I am. I am. I'm so excited. (laughs) You completed these runs in the deserts of Arizona, did you not? I did. um, In the heat, um, 104 degrees. Um, Yeah, it was brutal. (laughs) (laughs) 104 marathons in 104 days. And what I have not told the listeners is an additional challenge, which is the fact that you are an amputee. I am. I am, just to add to the complications of running 104 marathons. <laughs> well, I may, I'm, I'm making it easy on myself. <laughs> in the Arizona desert, no less. It is an incredible achievement. Look, I want to talk mainly about the running, but I want to just take you back to the age of 26 in, in 2002 when you did uh, yeah. lose your leg. Uh, what was it? Was it cancer as the cause? It was. I had Ewing sarcoma. Um, and at the time, yeah, the the only way to save my life was to have my leg amputated. Um, so it was kind of you get this this you get this this news that you've got cancer, but then like wait a minute, you got cancer, but also you need to have your leg amputated. Um, so it was kind of at the time my world just kind of collapsed around me, and I was like, what the hell? Um, and it was yeah, it was you kind of then um, you just go into survival mode, and you're like, okay, I'm going to beat this. I need to kind of just get on with things and just mm-hmm. kind of it was a bit of a roller coaster i can only imagine um here you are all the 20 years later in fact what would you uh-huh. say to your younger self now looking back because that must have been such a devastating time yeah um, i would i would probably tell her that everything will be okay because at the time it's hard to see an outcome you kind of you kind of just 
it, it's it's so strange. You kind of feel like you're just on your own and you're just you can't see a way out and and having the cancer diagnosis you kind of think oh my goodness i'm not gonna how am i gonna survive this and it's and it's just like you have all this thrown at you and i would just tell her it's gonna be okay you're gonna be okay you're gonna beat this you'll be fine and jackie in your case you're going to thrive evidently i don't know if you would have (laughs) predicted back then that you'd be then going on to do this amount of running when and how did you get into running then and taking it more seriously? Um, I only, I started running like six years ago. Um, and the funny thing is when I had both my legs, I thought runners were crazy. I'm like, why, why <laughs> on earth would you want to do that to yourself? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it's just, it's painful. No. And I kind of took it up just because I'm stubborn. The thing is, when you become an amputee, you kind of put it, you, you, people don't mean to do it, but you get put into a box and they're like, well, now you, now you have this disability and you don't need to, you're not expected to do anything and it's fine. You can still, we, we're not expecting much of you because mm-hmm. you're classified as disabled. And I had a really hard time with that because I'm like, no, I can do what everyone else is doing and I can even do it better. And so we kind of became a little bit of a, not that I'm competitive or anything, but it kind of became a little bit more of a competition <laughs> for me. And sorry, sorry, Jackie. So Jackie of... Hunt Brusma, uh, the woman who just ran 104 marathons in 104 days, just claimed not to be competitive. <laughs> casual drop-in is going to expose all manner of sins and and liars. How else are you going to catch your neighbours playing naked twister on a Sunday morning but for the casual drop-in? With an emphasis on the butt. The snack pack. So on my breakfast radio show on ABC Melbourne, I got a call a couple of weeks ago from a guy called Gossie. And I said, where are you, Gossie? He said, oh, yeah, I'm just out in the ocean, like north of Australia. And he said he'd been there for like a couple of months. And he was so casual about it. I thought, I have to track you down, Gossie, and find out a little bit more about life at sea. Where are you right now, my friend? I'll give you a perspective. We're about uh, 30, 30 nautical miles off the New Guinea, Papua New Guinea coast. Mm-hmm. And so about 60 or 70 nautical miles north of Cape York. Does that make you still, what, are you legally in Australian waters or international yeah. waters? Yeah, the territorial border runs right up to the top of Saibai Island. Mm-hmm. So these uh, islands are annexed into the, into the Queensland Gossie, when or um, Bay of Australia. When, yeah. did, when did you last set foot on land? Oh, look, we come in... we. Saying that we stay out for long periods, we do, but we've got to unload regularly. Mm-hmm. And um, every week, depending on the market too, um, they might demand we come in earlier. And depending on the catch, of course. So we're doing one more day today and then we head in this afternoon to unload early morning and onto a barge which sends the crayfish to Cairns. So these crows go into a tank on a barge and then get unloaded in cans to a factory there and then they've sorted out and graded out and then packed in boxes and sent off to um, to China. Is it weird to think you are obviously at the very pointy end of, of catching these fish that are then sold into the Chinese market? So somewhere in China someone's tucking in, in a fine restaurant perhaps to one of your catches. Do you ever think that far ahead in terms of your role in that chain? Oh look, I'd love to follow the um, the cray all the way to the table over there. That'd be that'd be one of my goals. But mm-hmm. 
Because um, of COVID, well, we're pretty much locked in on a boat, so we really didn't think anything was different. <laughs> Plus, in the current times, you know, China might not look favourably on you sailing an Australian vessel all the way onto their shores? <laughs> no, probably not. But we're, it did pass half mine from time to time. <laughs> Indonesia did come into play. So, well, let's bugger this. Let's just go to Indo. Hey, Gossie, tell, yeah. me about, tell me about the role. Of, how many people on the boat with you? What's the, what's the camaraderie like or the tensions? Yeah. Well, they're pretty good, actually. I mean, considering that they're all competitive, you know, on the ground, mm-hmm. they they sort of stay away from one another. They have their own little patches here and there. And, You're talking and, about crayfish uh, or, the, or, or, the, or the crewmates? The crewmates. Yeah. And, um, you know, and they find them, you know, some are more wily than others on um, on catching them and had a few more years on under their belt. And, um, yeah, and then, then you got we train up new divers, so... They've got to sort of learn the craft as well, so that takes them two or three years to, you know. But and, get and a hold how of many it. how many are on the actual boat with you at any given time? We've got we've got twelve crew on the present, mm-hmm. and then then we've got another smaller boat that runs with the same company. Uh, that's called the Reality Three, and they've got eight on board there. How would you feel and if another another boat sidled up next to you and just wanted to drop in to say hi? We're talking about unexpected drop-ins this morning. Would you welcome someone else? Oh, yes. on for some whiskey. Well, we do. We do get the odds do drop in character. Um, you know, they'll come over, for, say, because we're such a large um, operation here, we, we carry a lot of parts and stuff. So smaller boats may be left winding for this or that. So we always help out in that regard. Okay, look, if it's an emergency, if, like, you know, someone has got an injury and you need help or it's, like, I don't know, a wedding anniversary and you need a lemon, particularly because it's like a 50th wedding anniversary. Like, there are specific reasons I will allow an unannounced drop-in. But otherwise, no. Just give some notice. That's all I'm saying, if you take nothing else from today's podcast. But I suspect what you will actually take is our final guest, because he is a legend of Australian entertainment for both children and adults who were once children, or adults who have children. I'm talking about none other than Peter Coombe. And Peter, I have one big question for you today. In fact, three of them. But we'll start with, what you seeing? Well, look, I, I have to say that this, 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 I've been seeing this for the last um, 30 years. And I'm talking about the, the amazing Faulty Towers. And uh, oh. I've watched every episode probably at least 10 times. But also my children have grown up, all my four children have grown up on Faulty Towers and they can quote it back at you in any episode. And now even my grandchildren are listening to it. So I have to say Faulty Towers. Brilliant. And what Brief, Sorry, brief story about brief, brief, brief story. When Forty Towers was being made in Britain, I was living there doing it, doing a TV show, and I hadn't heard of the of it. And uh, I walked into my in my rehearsal room one morning, thinking I was in the right spot. And these two ladies were there, and I didn't I didn't know who they were. Just chatted with them, and I eventually found my, my correct room. In the end, looking back on it, because John Cleese was in the canteen having lunch that day, I rem- I realised now the two ladies had bumped into a Connie Booth in Penelope Scales. So oh that was God. that was that was rather thrilling. It thrilling. <laughs> In retrospect. <laughs> and Faulty Tower is one of those rare examples of a show that, that knew when to quit. Only 12 episodes made, and here we are still uh, talking about it so many decades later. Yep. And I, th- I think that but, uh, the fact that only 12 made is, is part of the secret of its success. Mm-hmm. They, knew when, they knew when to stop. Absolutely. Strong answer, Peter Coombe. Are you ready to tell us what you're hearing? Oh, look, I, I, I always think I, I hear the ocean. 
Uh, I ha- we have a beach house in South Australia where we go to uh, many times a year, especially in the summer. And I just find the, the sound of the ocean, whether I'm walking beside it or listening to it when I'm lying in bed, like just wonderfully therapeutic. And that's just something that just uh, I, it has a deep, I guess, deep spiritual connotations for me. Do you get inspired create creatively when you're at the ocean, or does it is it a place where you can actually switch off work and you're not thinking about possible new songs even to, to pen? Actually, a bit of both. Actually, I can I can certainly not work by the by the ocean, but at the end, I find I find being there actually can can inspire music. In fact, I did actually write a song about where we have this place in in South Australia, this beach house. So so I guess that obviously both of those things work. Peter Coombe, beautiful answers so far. It's time for the big finale. This is the this is the hardest one of all. Peter Coombe, legendary Australian entertainer. What's your tasting? Uh, I have I have to say peanut butter. I have to say that because between the ages of about eight and seventeen, I used to have peanut butter four times a day. So 20, 20, 28, 28 times a week. And I, I, I seriously and, and I, I just uh, I just loved it. And I still do. This is the Sammy J Snack Pack. And there we have it. Thank you so much to my beautiful guests on the podcast today. And thank you, beautiful listeners, wherever you might be, for allowing me to make a little burrow in your ears and hang out like a creepy ear man. Not to worry. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the imagery right by the end of the year, I swear. I get like seven complaints a week from people who say stop with the gross descriptive images. But look... I just say the words. The man who's doing all the work is Ross Kavanagh, fiddling the buttons, and my beautiful breakfast radio team on ABC Radio Melbourne. Have a wonderful week ahead. I'll see you for another Snack Pack, same time next week. 